So welcome to the third episode of the Posh Podcast, a typical Brit and an atypical Indian. Uh, it's me, Baba Dodakhar, and I'm talking to my co-host, George Taylor, who is in London. In a sweltering London. Oh, what's the temperature, George? We're, if I just say about that we're in the middle of a heat wave, that's all you need to know. The, uh, the, weather, the weather guys when they're stood in front of their weather map on the TV, everything's red. You know, it looks like we're in the Sahara. It's intense. And then the numbers pop up on the map in the middle of this heat wave and it's kind of 23 degrees, 25 degrees. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, it's in London, it hit 30 yesterday, which is, which is craziness in the UK. But yeah, it, uh, I've just come back from spell traveling, which we'll discuss a bit later. And there was some actual real hot weather. So kind of juxtaposing the two together is really funny, but yeah, they, we really revel in it in the UK. The roads start melting people, you know, people are talking about, do we get water breaks during football matches? <laughs> uh, there's a hose pipe ban because no one has any water to water their green gardens and stuff. Yeah. It's, it's real serious. It's a real serious business. Can, can um, you can, can you repeat that? that? There's a hose water ban. Can you repeat that? Yeah, we have a, a hose pipe ban, so okay. people aren't allowed to water their roses in the garden because we need to save the water in case you know people get too dehydrated or something. Um, yeah, did, it's all, did, all very serious. Do you know that that one city in the world that that actually has that problem for real? Cape Town. Does it actually? It ran out of water officially a couple of months ago. Oh God! Have they have they got water now? Has it been resolved? No. Officially, it's the biggest global city or the most well-known global city to run out of water. Can you beat wow. that? No. <laughs> no, I can't. That's that's strong stuff. I guess they're on the coast. Does that help people? People can go swim in the sea, maybe. Because last year, when I was doing a bit of traveling in, in Australia, the cities that I went to, Brisbane and Melbourne and the Gold Coast, uh, it was government directive. It was a directive of the government to not waste water because apparently even uh, cities like Melbourne and Brisbane have uh, a date when they think they might run out of water. Wow. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's 20, 30 years down the line, but it's still uh, insane if you think about it, right? That's crazy, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, like, I think the fact that it's you know it's a it's a it's a first world city, and yeah. this, in this podcast, we and I do talk about the the differences and the similarities between the developed world and the developing world in a good way, though we're not trying to make fun of you know of the latter. No, of course, not. I mean, yeah. I I imagine the big the big worry in Melbourne is they won't be able to make coffee anymore. That's <laughs> that's that's the big worry with the water shortage there. They make amazing coffee, but that city has awful cafes or doesn't really have a, a, a cafe culture. We've discussed this before. I remember you talked to me about this it was about a year ago because I, yeah, yes. I've heard incredible things about their coffee, but you said, so the coffee itself is good, but the shops that sell it are terrible. Is that right? No, you could go to a 7-Eleven or any grocery store and just pick out uh, coffee for the equivalent of, of, uh, 50p and you get really good coffee okay yeah. but uh, because the wages are a bit too high cafes close like really early about three like half three and four o'clock in the afternoon okay right okay yeah. and 
Yeah, it, it doesn't really have a good cafe uh, uh, culture, but just really good coffee. Like, does India have a cafe culture? India, it does not have a cafe culture. India has this is this is um, across the country, uh, and this is more true for uh, for the uh, for working class population, right? For especially for this is this is very uh, true of highway culture, where there were, yeah. there, were there were tea shops in and and makeshift restaurants on national highways. Where people mm-hmm. people stop because uh, uh, you know because journeys between uh, towns and cities are rather long because of the condition of the roads, they're not the best in the world. So it's you could get really cheap food, and they put, it's pretty good most of the time. And there's uh, uh, really affordable uh, tea. A coffee is not really a thing. It's becoming a thing with you know with the uh, the more. Uh, upscale uh, population of the more uh, middle class population, like the coffee yeah, that, okay. that that the uh, that uh, audiences uh, or listeners over the world understand, right? The the equivalent of of uh, of a Starbucks coffee, right? But yeah. they yeah, but in the south of India, in certain districts and certain states, coffee is grown, and it's yeah, and it's made in such a way um, that it's un. It's different from the coffee that we know. It's similar to. Do you know what what chai is? Chai tea, chai tea latte. Do you know what that yeah. is? So yeah, yeah. So is it that kind of difference? Yeah, it's 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 kind of like that. The equivalent of that. It's more like really milky tea that that people in in, in mainland India have. Okay. And so that's the equivalent of the, of the coffee that, that they do. Yeah. That they, that they and did you say most most people's tea in India is very milky? And uh, no, uh, there's a certain uh, like. No, I'm talking about the uh, the the what I think a uh, chai tea latte is like. The, oh, I see. Okay. Like the inspiration be, be, uh, behind chai tea latte, like the chai chai, because chai when translated means tea. So a chai yeah. tea latte is tea tea latte, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, which which is funny. Uh, yeah, so, so that was that, and both you and I have been, you know. We've been traveling the past couple of weeks. You in Europe and me across India. Uh, yeah. I've been in my hometown of Shillong in the northeast of India for the past couple of months. But for you know for the for, for twenty days this month, I traveled to New Delhi, which is the capital of the country, and and Bombay. Most people call it Mumbai now, but I you know I prefer the word Bombay. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. you're, you're an old colonial survivor. No, because I refuse to uh, be dictated by uh, politics that I f- don't agree with. Anyway, let's not talk about that. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah, and no, I I I actually love uh, the sound of the uh, of the word Bombay. So I was there for 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 ten days in New Delhi, ten days in Bombay, and the the heat was uh, mind-boggling. It was. It was very defeating. Like in New Delhi, there was this ridiculous heat wave. Because I spoke, I mean, I, I mentioned this in the uh, in the pilot episode of of our podcast about how it was forty six, forty five degrees outside. But wow. but I was stuck in in a hotel, right? So there, there was air conditioning all around. But after we recorded that podcast, two days after, I had to um, go stay with a friend, and I was sleeping in a guest room that did not have any air conditioning. So I was Ooh. yeah. So I was sleeping. An extremely hot uh, room. Uh, I had two fans running at the same time. 
but it was mm-hmm. extremely unbearable. And I'm using the word extremely <laughs> a lot in this, yeah. in this sequence, but you know, just to, uh, they're extreme conditions. Do tell me about your, uh, your, your travels uh, to Greece. And I'll, I'll talk about Bombay after that. So I was in Greece for a friend's wedding an Italian guy marrying a Greek girl. So she obviously got to pick the venue as they and, do, uh, as, as they do. Yeah. And rightly so. It's their big day. Um, but yeah, it was, it was good fun. It was for me like really culturally different to go to a, a it was a Greek Orthodox wedding. So the ceremony was all in Greek um, and just lots of different sorts of, I guess, liturgy, I guess is the right word compared to a normal traditional English. Did you uh, understand? Wedding. Did you understand? No, none of it. Everything. Obviously didn't, didn't, <laughs> didn't understand any of it. Couldn't even see what was happening because what happens is there in a, at a wedding in England, normally uh, like a sort of quote unquote Christian wedding, everyone, all the guests go to the church. They sit down in the church and the groom is stood at the front with the vicar or the priest or whoever the, the person presiding is and then the big sort of dramatic moment is when the bride arrives walks down the aisle everyone kind of turns and looks and says oh well she looks fantastic (laughs) and then they hopefully and then they uh they do their ceremony and everyone kind of watches and then they're married uh and then you go on from there but at this one um it was given added drama because the church was at the top of the hill that we found it very hard to find and it was maybe 35 degrees there so that that's starting to get kind of universally hot right that's easy it is in england plus wearing a suit and so i'm wearing a tie and a double-breasted suit because i have to suffer for my art and i'm an englishman abroad and i really want to turn turn up my englishness when i'm in a foreign country uh, so really really warm but what happens is uh, the church was at the top of some steep steps and the groom was stood at the top of the steps kind of mingling and saying hello to everyone as they arrived. We were all at the bottom of the steps and then we look round and the car with uh, the bride and her father pulls up before we're all in the church. So all the kind of English group started to panic because we thought, oh, no, we're not in the church on time. She's going to go mad. But what <laughs> happens is you kind of form... You know when a football team wins the league before the season has finished and the the team they're playing in their last match forms a kind of guard of honour and they stand either side of them and clap them on? We essentially did that. (laughs) So we formed a kind of guard of honour and her and her dad got out of the car and walked through the guard of honour and we're sort of clapping and, yeah, kind of clapping and watching and he then leads her up the stairs to the guy who she's marrying Mm -hmm. and kind of passes passes her hand to him and then they just go into the church so we're left outside and they're in, in they've gone inside already and we'd kind of thought that we were late or whatever so it was a bit everyone was very confused so we then worked our way up into the church by the time we got there got into the building everyone had taken all the seats so we just had to stand up we were behind a pillar literally couldn't see anything it was all in greek it was it was even hotter in the church so sweating profusely and then uh, about 15 minutes into the ceremony someone started handing programs around with a kind of English translation of what was happening so mm-hmm. I feel like I followed what was going on after about 15 minutes and then the other thing they do is they throw rice or I think they were actually almonds but essentially you throw rice at the couple isn't that um, supposed so this- to be a 
George, I'm going to interrupt you. Isn't isn't that supposed to, be, supposed to be like a Chinese thing where why is this couple? I no? maybe I th- I don't know. I think that's just their favorite food, isn't it? I don't know if that's a wedding tradition in China. It might be, but for I think. In, I think they just used rice and grease because it's easier, uh-huh. but it's mm-hmm. supposed to be dried almonds. I'm not 100% sure what, what it was. But anyway, we were all given like a little packet of rice and just throw it at the bride and groom. At uh, some uh, point, the priest says something and then you just throw it at them. Um, I'm guessing this is uncooked rice. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how good would that be if it was wet and it just sort of slapped and stuck? But um, what was funny was the guy who was the best man is quite a big guy. So whenever I was throwing the rice, it all just kept hitting him, and he was really sweaty and really kind of angry, mm-hmm. and it was it was sort of sticking on his face. But um, yeah, it was it was really different. It was really interesting to experience, um, and at, at one point as well. I don't know if you've seen the film The Deer Hunter, which is one of my favourite films, but I think they go through a Russian Orthodox wedding at the start of that film and the bride and groom cross arms and they each pour red wine into each other's mouths. They kind of hold a chalice and they sip it together at the same time uh, and it's good luck, but if they spill any of it, then it means their wedding and their marriage is doomed, I think, which follows in the film. But uh, I think in this case, they... Uh, my friends each had a glass of wine that the priest held and they're supposed to just sip it. But this this priest poured the whole glass of wine down my friend's mouth. He was like, stop, stop. And he just poured it what, down him and he was kind was of spluttering. The groom? Yeah, the groom. And everyone, he's got a bit of a reputation as enjoying a drink. So I think the well, priest was making the, a joke the, about that. But Okay, okay, okay. It was it was funny. So it was just it was really interesting to see these quite um, well very different cultural traditions. Um, I mean, it's technically it's still within the same church, right? It's still a Christian wedding, but it was so very different to a traditional English or British or Church of England Christian wedding. It was yeah, it was really fascinating to experience. I was mainly concerned with how much I was sweating, but in hindsight, um, I had, you, I had a very very interesting time. I do sweat a lot. Um, I'm going to ask you another ignorant question. What's the difference between the the Greek Orthodox Church and the Russian Orthodox Church? I don't know in terms of... I mean, I I couldn't really tell you. Are they separate divisions of of, of like one thing called the Orthodox Church? Like, you know, like there's there's a Catholic Church in France, there's a Catholic Church in Germany. Would you know? Yeah, I think it, I think it's slightly more than that. I think okay. I think the, the Greek Church was formed after the uh, the Council of Nicaea. I uh, I don't I don't want to talk about that because I will just guess it wrong. So they're, Fair yeah, enough. they're just different different strands of the Eastern Eastern Christianity being in Greece and Russia is a very different beast to. Catholic and Protestant Christianity. I mean, they believe in God, they believe in Jesus, that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. it's more. Um, it it manifested itself in really interesting ways, just in how the how the wedding worked. So in a in a traditional Church of England, and I imagine most um, of the kind of slightly more Western European Christian traditions, mm-hmm. at a wedding they'll say blah 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 until death do us part. Yes. Whereas in the in the Greek ceremony it's not till death do us part, it's a kind of infinite, eternal thing, which is a really big, I would say a really big distinction, right? Um, and really interesting. Um, I'm, so I'm, that, those are the kind of differences that exist. 
That's that's very interesting because I'm guessing it's the I'm guessing they believe I'm I'm just making this up, but from what you tell me, I'm guessing so they believe right. there's, <laughs> there's 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 an afterlife. Yeah, of course. Yeah, that's that's their thing, right? We were joking a lot because uh, the bride is a very sort of beautiful and very together girl. The groom, mm-hmm. a very dear friend of mine, but he's a he's a sweaty mess. <laughs> and we were joking that she's not even, you know, till death do us part would have been like a nice a nice escape <laughs> for her, but she's stuck with him quite literally forever. So yeah, interesting. Talking about the Russian Orthodox Church, have you been yeah. watching the football? Oh, very nicely done. Very good. Um, The link being Russia, right, rather than our kind of worship of football, I suppose. Um, I'd like to think so, yeah. Yeah, I would say I've watched, I think I've watched every game. That that tells you how much of a professional life I lead. No, Um, but but, uh, I'm supporting England. Are you also supporting England? I am. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I am supporting England. Uh, I have a soft spot for Denmark because that's where my girlfriend is from, and uh, they're both through. So, but yeah, I would, double, but I, but I would doubly. love, but I would love for an Asian or an African country to do well. Oh, so would I. I well, I I have a I have quite a soft spot for South Korea and Japan. I think Japan have done well so I, far. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I I like a lot of the Central and South American teams as well. Like not the bigger names. I, I really like yeah. Uruguay, and I think Mexico have made a really good impression as well. Um, it could be a World Cup where a, a team that's never won it before wins it. I would say I I would love for that for that to happen because yesterday I was rooting for for Iran to beat Portugal. And oh, I'm a that fa- was uh, yeah. I'm, I'm a it was fan a fantastic of, end, right? What, what was an a, end to it was, the, to it was amazing. It was amazing, George, because I was flipping channels between the between the uh, the Spain Morocco game and the uh, Iran Portugal game, and it was a red card for Cristiano. Right? It should have been a red card, rather. Probably, uh, yeah. It's difficult. It's a difficult one. If that happened in the penalty box, it'd have been sent off. So, how do you draw a distinction if he's out of the box? I think the VAR made the finish a little bit farcical, but just in terms of you know, Iran got that penalty and then they missed that chance. And if Spain's goal hadn't have been allowed, Spain would have, I think, gone out or Portugal uh-huh. gone out. So yeah, there was there was a lot at stake. Um, yeah, I was really cheering for Iran at the end of it, which is something I've never, <laughs> never done before. I would say so. Um, yeah, I, it's, it always brings brings support, right? People always latch on to to other yes. countries that they've got no knowledge of or really any other relationship with, and suddenly you're rooting for them. It's great. I mean, as as an Indian person, someone who, who grew up in India, I, I have to do that because in the next, <laughs> yeah. we've never made the World Cup, and that's not happening for the next twenty, thirty years either. What uh, what qualifying group are you part of? The Asian one. So who? How so many a, teams compete in that? Five. Are you competing against like Japan, or are you only competing against? Is there like a India, no, Bangladesh, we, 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 Pakistan, we, we, Afghanistan? We don't even we we don't even get there to the uh, uh, final qualifying stage yeah, because we get beaten by teams like Thailand and Uzbekistan. Okay, <laughs> the real big names. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, and Burma. We get beaten by Burma too. I mean, but but they've been wow. they've been doing well because when I was in Bombay, um, I watched uh, India play Kenya in the final of a competition called the Intercontinental Cup. So we okay. 
it, we being India, we beat Kenya 2-0. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so we had good fun because the, the stadium was packed, right? And uh, there were... Did the match happen in... Bombay. Were you at the game? I was, yeah. You were actually at the game? Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so, so in, the, uh, in the section that I was in, uh, a, a pretty well, a, a pretty famous Bollywood actor also walked in and, you know, mm-hmm. fans were mobbing him. Do you know the, uh, the Icelandic um, chant, the, uh, the clap? The, oh, the clap, yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, we were doing that in the stadium and I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of similarities with you in Iceland, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The fact that you know, you know we're uh, on uh, opposite sides of the population spectrum. Yes, I agree. With that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Temperature and population. Do you know what the funny thing is about about the about the game though, though, uh, boys? Because prior to the uh, to the start of the tournament, the captain of the Indian football team, Sunil Chetri, who um, is number three as far as most goals uh, scored for his country is concerned. Behind, oh, wow. uh, behind, behind uh, Ronaldo and Messi. I mean, I, I'm amongst active players. Okay, yeah, right. So, yeah, but, so he put up uh, a video on social media requesting for fans to actually go to the stadium and watch the game because they did they because they, they played. Was it New Zealand or some other countries like small footballing country, and the stadium was was empty. There were probably like 2,000 people you know, in a stadium that would seat 40,000. And that video or that, or that plea of his became viral. And, you know, the next game, yeah, the, the, the stadium was full. So, which oh, is that's, some... That's yeah, good. Which is what some, club does he play for? Does he play in India or does he play abroad? He tried his luck in, in America for a, yeah. uh, in, in Major League Soccer for a club called Kansas City FC. Okay. And, but, but he played there for a bit. That that didn't really work out. So he plays for um for a club down south called Bengaluru FC. It's okay. probably the uh, one of the bigger clubs in the country. So no, he's I'm a, fa- I'm, I'm a fan of his. Uh, you know, he's five foot five. He's <laughs> yeah, and he's a, he's a striker, but he's really good. So I mean, good. Oh, it was Very interesting good. because you mentioned um, you mentioned Thailand when you were listing the kind of teams you guys play in qualifying. And when mm-hmm. I was at uh, when I was at school, actually, um, I was at a boarding school, and one of the boys who was boarding was from Thailand. He was mm-hmm. four or five years older than me. I didn't really know him. A couple of my friends did, but his name was is Tiratep Winatai, and he <laughs> uh, he played for. He definitely played for Everton. I think he played for Crystal Palace as well. Did um, he? From about 18 to 23 or so. Yeah, he scored, oh, I was about four or five years ago, Man United played uh, their um, pre-season tour and I think they played against the Thailand national team and mm-hmm. he scored in that match or he certainly played. Um, so, and he, he's kind of tried his luck in Europe and I think he's gone back home to play and stuff. I'm sure you could Google him and get more info. But yeah, so these countries that, you know, struggle to break through, they usually have one or two guys who are kind of far too good for their country, right? Yes. But not quite yes. good enough to make it abroad and they're sort of stuck in this difficult limbo situation, really. But I guess, you know, in 20 years, they'll be remembered as people that did a really important job for building the sport up and then when it's more popular more kids are going to play and get better right you know what's been amazing about this World Cup the thing I've loved about it the most 
the fact that the the weaker teams on the uh, the non-major teams are not as weak as they used to be, and they are on a much more level playing field. Like for example, like Iran could give Portugal a run for their money. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, Portugal he, aren't a great team, are they? <laughs> like like Morocco and Spain yesterday. That's an example yeah. of you know. Of, of a team doing well Japan's doing pretty well and even the, the with the exception of the first game where Russia were beaten for 5-0 or like was it 5-1 or 5-0 uh, yeah 5-0 against Saudi Arabia yeah Saudi Arabia rather were, were beaten by, by, by Russia all the games have been pretty even have they, and they've not been lopsided it's I think it's I suppose it's, the England game was the most one-sided yeah, with, the exception, the yeah, with the exception with the exception of that I, I'm yeah. guessing it's it's the it's the other countries are climbing up a level or two, which is only which is which, which can only mean good things, right? Yeah, I think there's also uh, tournament football is quite different, isn't it? Because you can. I agree completely. I agree completely. You know, if this if all the teams at the World Cup played the equivalent of a twenty team Premier League <laughs> thirty eight game season, the divide would you know Spain would be at the top and Panama yes. would, and Morocco would be nearer the bottom. Yes, yes. I but agree. in in knockout football and I suppose now with that VAR as well, you can kind of you could probably get penalties and tighten things up a bit and um there's it's just such a different atmosphere that it's not really it's not really comparable to anything else. But yeah, within that format it I think this could be could be the World Cup where someone who's not done it before, someone like Mexico, um, yeah, get if they get a bit of a lucky draw, Colombia maybe um, could go really really far uh, because yeah, the big I mean Germany have struggled, Argentina have struggled, Brazil haven't done particularly well, England haven't really proved themselves against anyone better than better than Panama. <laughs> so um, yeah, it's, it's it's a really interesting tournament. Are you up? Uh... I okay. Let's, let's do this right now. Both of us support England, right? Yeah. But if you if you had to pick a team, you have to bet. You know, put money on it. What team mm-hmm. would that? What team would you would yours be? To win. To win it all, yeah. But before the tournament started, I think I quite boringly said Brazil or Spain, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I think either of them would win it now. Um, I said Argentina for the very simple reason that, that I that I thought that Messi would kind of you know carry the team on his back and squeeze out two one wins and when you one zero wins, but they well might. you'll be you'll be pleased to know that just to let everyone know the exact moment that we're recording this it's twenty minutes into Nigeria Argentina and Argentina are one nil up with the Lionel Messi goal. Okay. Okay. So. The the chances of that happening are still going. Okay, what's happening in the other game? Uh, it is nil nil. Twenty five minutes in between Iceland and Croatia. So okay. uh, it's, it's interesting. For those of you listening to this in about three weeks' time, <laughs> that's uh, that's a way of dating this very specific. No, uh, we, we, we're putting up these earlier now because uh, George, you and I have a more formal uh, way of do- doing this now. We've kind of you know, come, yeah. That's true. Okay, because we just put up the uh, uh, the, the the episode we recorded, but three weeks ago we we put it up today. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. we're formal like yeah. that. Yeah, we are. We are very formal. And um, we, we we'll, we'll talk more about you know the uh, 
the the things that you we go through in offices in India offices and it's things that, that you know that, that I've, I've tried to explain to you how patience is a virtue that you need you would need to have you know <laughs> I st- yeah. I've uh, having been in Greece I would say um, I've honed my patience I'm not a very patient person but being in Greece really helped me I suppose well, it didn't help me it exposed me to circumstances that required my patience. Um, I, we were traveling between different islands, mm-hmm. so we had to get lots of ferries and that kind of thing. And there weren't many taxis on the island, so you had to get buses and whatever it was. But there was, uh, we, uh, we needed to get to the airport for our flight home, and we were told to get this bus. And we got on the bus and said to the guy, like, please, can you take us to the airport? This stops at the airport. And he said, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, was a, it was about five minutes from where we were to the airport. And he just he just drove past the airport, uh, didn't didn't stop. There were only two other people on the bus, so I was with my girlfriend, who gets quite stressful in these sorts of situations. We had quite a bit of time, but uh, he drove past and then drove up this kind of mountain pass, which took took maybe another. 30 minutes he went to this other beach resort at the other side of the island picked some more people up and I said to him like, are, you, are you not going to the airport and he went oh yeah I just thought I'd do it on the way back but I, I could have you know our flight could have left or, and it was really narrow streets there wasn't a chance to get out and get a taxi or go back so he sat and waited in the car park for about 10 minutes then went back the other way 30 minutes the other way so a five minute drive from where we got on the bus took took just under an hour um and then he just dropped us off and he said oh there you go have a nice flight thanks and off we went and then actually I, i went downstairs i really needed the loo went to the bathroom and the door locked on me and i was locked in the bathroom for about five minutes didn't have any phone signal from inside yeah, from inside, trapped in a cubicle. I was trapped in the cubicle. There was no one else in the bathroom. With, with, uh, with, and with I didn't the, have a phone signal. With the air conditioning, at least. Uh, it was quite cool. It was in a basement, so that was okay. But I was getting very warm because I was quite stressed <laughs> because of the bus. So I was just banging on the door. Finally, it, it opened up. But it, for what should have taken five minutes, became a terrible, terrible ordeal. Okay, this story of yours... Is the best we've had, you know, in in our three episodes. And on that really? note, oh wow, <laughs> I, I, I'm actually. Well, know, on that note, I can only apologise to our listeners. Uh, on that note, I think we should say goodbye to our listeners because we want to watch the um, the Argentina game. I shouldn't have I shouldn't have mentioned the score right because that's made you stop recording. Yes, I want to keep it, <laughs> you know. Um, cool. Yeah, thank you for for listening to us. For for, for those of you who uh, download our podcast, because it's, it's on I mean, you'll know this, so it's on, uh, on iTunes and SoundCloud. Anyway, uh, from George Taylor and uh, Babu Dadakar, thank you for tuning in. Cheers. Cheers, guys. <laughs>